Welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor, joined by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up on the podcast, we'll hear from Nate Danielson, a 6'2 right-handed shooting center with the Brandon Weekings and a possible draft choice of the Red Wings with either the ninth or 17th pick in the NHL draft later this month. But first, Ted, the Stanley Cup playoffs are almost over. The Panthers won last night in overtime and trailed the Golden Knights two games to one with game four tomorrow night in Florida. You picked Florida in six games. The Panthers went 3-0, and by the way, against the Wings this year. All three victories with goalie Sergei Bobrovsky in goal. No surprise there. He allowed only five goals in those three games. The Wings were 1-1 one one against Vegas. So, Ted, what do you make of the Stanley Cup Finals so far? And what can the Wings learn about the type of hockey they're playing and the kind of teams that Bill Zito and Kelly McCrimmon put together? I'll tell you, Mark, I was... The first two games, I don't know about you, but I was thoroughly impressed by Vegas, just the mm-hmm. way they controlled those two games. I mean, just their size and their depth, it was really eye-opening. Uh, full marks to Florida last night. I mean, with all the injuries and people coming in and out of the lineup, uh, Brofsky kind of comes back and plays pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting, Mark. What do you think? I mean, I think they, could, they may have – well <laughs> – in case of my prediction, I hope it really happens. I hope it happens that way. But maybe that gives Florida a little bit of momentum heading up for the rest of the series now. What do you think? If Florida wins on Saturday night, it's a brand new series, isn't it? What about the teams, though, Ted? Like, what do you think the Wings can learn? That big defense with Vegas and the puck-moving defenseman with Florida? Is there anything that the Wings can learn from from what's going on here, or are these just two teams that have gotten hot and are just a couple of wins away, actually, from winning the Cup? Well, Vegas does have the big D and big mobile D, and that's something to take up. But I think, you know what, it really stands out in this whole thing, for me anyways, Mm -hmm. Florida getting Matthew Kachuk for two prime players. What was it, Huberto? and Mackenzie Weger and draft picks going both ways. But what a gutsy trade that was. And maybe we'll, I think we might be able, we might be seeing more of these around the NHL. I mean, there's definitely that possibility with people like possibly Mitch Marner, Nylander available in Toronto. You hear all their different big names being floated about. Maybe that's, going to be the new norm here for the, maybe this summer and just think of how that changed the complexion of that florida roster i mean mm-hmm. kachuk has been arguably you know the best player in these playoffs and i don't know that's the thing that really stands out for me i mean just the just how florida changed things around getting him um maybe that the wings can do something i mean they have some you know if they go all in on something like that. And I mean, we've talked about it, I think before, maybe Lucas Raymond is a piece as far as that goes. Maybe you, you include him in something else and get a big name player like a Marner. I'm not sure if that'd be even possible, but I don't know. Maybe that's the wave of the future. We're going to see more of these big high profile names for names for trades. Ted, in one of your earlier stories, you mentioned Lucas Raymond as a possible piece, as a player who may not be a safe bet to stay you mentioned the players, obviously Larkin and Sider, and then safe bets players sure. like Huso and Cop and Edvinson and Rasmussen. 
What are your thoughts, though, about Raymond? He's only 21. He's likely not going anywhere, as you said. No, no. But if you're going to make a big, big time trade like that, mm-hmm. I could see where a player like that might be enticing for another team. And you're going to have to give up something to get something, obviously. Uh, you know, he did, you know, it was a little lesser of a season compared to his rookie season. But I think everybody kind of expects him to reach back and go back to that rookie level of production. But I just think looking at that roster, he would be one player that, you know, they would maybe forego in a trade if you're going to get a big time, high caliber player in return. Coming up next on the podcast, today's interview is with a player who has been linked to the Red Wings as a possible draft pick in Nashville on June the 28th. Here's Nate Danielson. Joining us now is 18-year-old Nate Danielson, a 6'2 center with the Brandon Wheat Kings and a possible draft pick of the Detroit Red Wings with either the ninth or 17th pick in the first round. Nate, welcome to the podcast. And I talked to your Brandon GM and coach Marty Murray yesterday. And one of the last things he told me, Nate, was you texted him last week asking if you could contact and welcome the 11 players drafted by the Wheat Kings in the Western Hockey League Bantam draft. That was last Thursday. The first player picked, for example, was 14-year-old winger Jackson Jacobson, the fifth overall pick. So, Nate, what's that Bantam draft like? It's kind of unique to the WHL. And what do you remember about being the fifth overall pick in 2019? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was a long time ago now. And um, back to texting, guys, it's sort of a weekend tradition to Mm -hmm. um, text the drafted guys. And I remember uh, when I was drafted – Back in 2019, uh, I got texts from numerous guys and even alumni that are now off to the NHL. So um I thought it was just pretty cool. And I remember mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool to be able to get that. So that's sort of just a tradition that's um, kept going. But, yeah, uh, the draft was a long time ago now. But, I mean, I was really fortunate to end up at Brandon, and it's been awesome uh, three years I've had so far there. You know, Nate, it's kind of amazing how young you guys really are in that Bantam draft year. Uh, Back when Coach Murray was 13 years old, he was placed on the Spokane Chiefs player listed. He wound up being traded to Brandon in the Trevor Kid deal. But back then you could draft three 13-year-olds. Now you have to be 14 years old and finish your Bantam season to be placed on the 50-player roster. So how important was getting on that list when you were growing up in Red Deer? Your older brother Noah was a fourth-round selection by the Medicine at Tigers in the 2017 Bantam draft. And what did you learn from your brother's experience, Nate? Uh, growing up, I mean, I always dreamed and always wanted to play in the WHL, but it was never really like mm-hmm. um, anything I really thought of until my second year Bantam, which was my draft year. And um, I didn't really have any expectations of where I was going to go or anything. And um, I just had a good year and ended up getting picked pretty high. But um, yeah, that was sort of the, one of the big reasons that I wanted to go to the WHL is because my brother, um, obviously he was playing in medicine hat so um mm-hmm. i guess my whole life he's just sort of been a role model to me and uh someone that i've always sort of followed so that was a big reason for me and why i chose the whl nate what was it like growing up in a hockey family in red deer and how about the sacrifices of your parents red deer for our detroit audience it's about halfway between 
Edmonton and Calgary, the Oilers and Flames and the Battle of Alberta out there. And your parents raising you guys, they flew into Brandon a few years ago when you and Noah faced off for the first time, your Wheat Kings against the Tigers. How has hockey shaped the lives of the Danielson family? Yeah, like you said, we've always been a hockey family. Um, both my parents growing up, my mom was a arena player and my dad was a hockey player. So they've always both mm-hmm. been athletes and been around the game. So um, I ever since I was three or four, I started skating and um, that was because my brother was doing it. So just sort of trying to follow him and I wanted to be like him. So that was sort of why I got into the game and then um, I fell in love with it. I mean, my parents, they they were amazing to meet my brother. I mean, mm-hmm. um, all the sacrifices they made and getting up at five in the morning to take us to practice or <laughs> just all those little things. And I mean, my mom just always having supper made for us when we get home from school so we can rush to practice too. And just all those little things that you don't really realize when you're younger. But um, now that I've gotten older, you can really understand all the sacrifices they made. So I'm super grateful for them. By the way, what happened in that game? Because I think going in the Brandon's son, they did a story and your dad said it would be perfect if it went into overtime and one of you scored the game winning goal. What happened in that game? Uh, We won that game. I don't remember the final score, but um, we ended up beating them. So I got bragging rights for that first game. Nate, what's it like playing and traveling in the Western Hockey League? Your coach said geographically in Brandon, the shortest road trip is just a couple of hours to Winnipeg, but then it's like four hours to Regina. I'm from Moose Jaw, and that's close to five hours away. There's 17 teams in Western Canada in four different provinces. There's five teams in the U.S. over in the Pacific Northwest. Coach Murray said the league can turn boys into men with that pro schedule. Do you ever get used to the long road trips, Nate? And do you feel it helps prepare you for your future hockey challenges? Yeah, I've definitely gotten used to it. Um, I think my 15-year-old year, I went to NAX, and um, that was a Western Canada League, too. So I think mm-hmm. those bus trips helped me prepare for um, the Western League. But, I mean, yeah, it's definitely um, something to get used to. And, for example, you're playing in Red Deer, and – um, you go home that night and you don't get home till 12 the next day and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. um, it's definitely something that you get used to pretty quick. And um, that I think will help me sort of prepare for that next level. And I mean, it's a, it's a grind, but it's something that everyone does and um, just sort of part of being a hockey player. Nate, one of the great hockey rivalries in the WHL this year was between your Wheat Kings and Regina's Connor Bedard. Bedard was the number one pick in the Bantam draft back in 2020. And of course, he'll be the number one pick by the Chicago Blackhawks in the NHL draft in Nashville this year. The teams met six times. Twice he was away at the World Juniors. Regina went four and two. He had 11 points in four games. He had 71 goals all season. You had three points in that miniseries, a goal and an assist. What was it like, though, checking Bedard? Because in one game on February 24th, I was talking to Coach Murray about the game in front of a packed house, and Brandon it was tied 3-3 with less than two minutes left until he tipped in a point shot for the winner. How good is Bedard, and what did you learn from checking him? Yeah, I mean, I think everyone sort of sees how good he is, and um, the numbers don't lie. That's really how good he is, but... Yeah, like he's a special player, and I like playing against people like that, and uh, I like going against other teams' top guys. So 
um that's the most fun for me is to get to have a challenge like that but um yeah i mean it's difficult playing against him just with how dynamic he is and um you just really never know what he's going to do out there so it's uh it's definitely a challenge but it's fun how about that goal that he tipped in did the weak kings have a chance to tie it up late in the game do you remember what happened after that yeah um we were down three two going into the third and then um I remember I scored to tie it up 3-3, three, three and, uh, and then, yeah, like you said, it was just under two minutes, and it was just a point shot from the top, and he made a nice tip, but um, we definitely had some chances after that to tie it up, but uh, mm -hmm. they played good. Nate, how about your season this year? As co-captain, you led Brandon in goals, 33, assists, 45.78. Power play goals, 13 and 68 games. And in the central scouting rankings, you moved up to number seven from number 13, one of the biggest jumps in the rankings. In fact, central scouting's John Williams, the Western region scout, he said that in the second half of the season, he thought you really started to use all your assets, your size, smart, speed, and shot. Now, ultimately, Brandon missed the playoffs by eight points, and your coach said injuries down the stretch probably forced him to play you too much, tapping you on the shoulder, playing 20, 22 minutes per game, even more instead of maybe 18 or 20 minutes. How would you describe this season, Nate? Um, I mean, not making the playoffs, obviously, um, was a disappointment. And um, going into this, going into the season, that was obviously a goal of our teams was to get into the playoffs. And um, so obviously not accomplishing that. Um, was disappointing and definitely something that me and our team will all learn from going into next year. But um, mm -hmm. I think overall as an individual, I thought I had a pretty successful year and um, thought I got better as the year went on. And um, I really sort of to get into my groove and um, start playing like I can towards the end of the year and um, something that I can take into the summer and also next year. Nate, in previous interviews, you've compared your game to two-way centers, Nick Suzuki and Elias Lindholm. Suzuki is 23 now. He's 5'11", a little smaller than you. He scored 26 goals for Montreal this year. Lindholm is 28. He's 6'1". He had 22 goals for Calgary. You know, I asked your coach about a comparison to Buffalo's Dylan Cousins, and he told the story about you being in his office talking about Suzuki and Lindholm. And then after you left the office, he talked to his assistant coaches and they thought Cousins was another good player to model your game after, a 200-foot center. Cousins is 22. He's a little bit bigger at 6'3", and he scored 31 goals this year. And here in Detroit, Cousins was almost a Red Wing. He went seventh overall, Nate, in 2019, the year you were drafted into the uh, Bantam draft that year, 2019, he was seventh overall right after Steve Eiserman surprised everyone by taking Marit Sider with a six pick. So what do you like about cousins game? And do you think you have the offensive ability, Nate, to improve on your goal scoring with a better team? You've gone from 23 to 33 goals this year. Yeah. I mean, cousins, he's a, uh, he's a pretty special player. I mean, he's a skilled 200 foot center, just like those other two. And, um, mm -hmm he he's his skating is very good and um obviously he had a bit of a breakout year and um scoring 31 i think you said but um yeah i mean i think i have a lot of the same sort of attributes as him with um big centerman and um able to play with speed through the middle of the ice but 
Um, for my offense, yeah, I think I definitely have that ability in me. And um, I think this year I kind of, I kind of at times dried up a little bit more than I like. And, but I mean, I think I, um, offensively I could have had a bit of a better year than I did, but uh, overall I thought it was pretty good for me. Nate, thanks for your time so far on the podcast. Just a couple of more questions. What if the Red Wings draft you next month in Nashville? You know, last year at the draft in Montreal, Steve Eisenman was one of three GMs who met with Connor Bedard. Newport Sports Management apparently set up interviews with other GMs, Don Sweeney of the Bruins and Kyle Davidson of the Blackhawks. Bedard said they met for like 45 minutes and Eisenman asked a lot of questions. And by the end, Bedard said it was more of a conversation than an interview. And Eisenman gave him advice about the game and the league. Have you talked to the Red Wings yet, Nate? And what would it mean to you and your family if you wind up here in Detroit? Uh, yeah, I've talked to them a little bit, just having like interviews throughout the year and um, mm -hmm. questionnaires or whatever that they send out. So um, I, yeah, I've talked to them a little bit, but um, I mean, I'd be really happy to get drafted by Detroit. Um, especially with Steve Eisman as being a GM. That's pretty cool to um, be drafted by him. But um, yeah, I mean, that would definitely be a cool place to go and I'd be thrilled mm -hmm. with it. Nate, can you tell us a bit about your Brandon teammate, Carson Bajarnison, the number one rated goaltender among North American goalies? Last podcast, we talked to USA hockey goalie, Trey Augustine, who is ranked 1-2 with Carson Augustine is 6'1". He just led the U.S. to the gold medal at the U18 World Championships in Switzerland. Carson is 6'3". He had a 21-19-6 record with your team this year, a 3.08 goals against average, three shutouts in 47 games. Coach Murray said that Carson was undrafted. He was just 5'9 at the time of that Bantam draft, and now he's really progressed and he has something to prove. So, Nate, how do you describe goalies in general, and what is Carson like in goal? Yeah, he's uh, he's unbelievable for us. I mean, there's a lot of games this year that uh, we probably didn't deserve to be in, but he uh, kept us in them and always gave us a chance to win. So very fortunate to have him on our team, and I guess just um, obviously as a player, he's amazing, but off the ice, he's a even better person. And I mean, um, for me, uh, just kind of see his work ethic on and off the ice. It's uh, something yeah. that um, we both sort of use. And um, I guess him being the goalie, we have uh, some pretty good rivalries and practice and stuff. And I guess just pushing, pushing each other to get better. But I mean, as a person, he's a pro and he takes care of himself and he just, he does the right things to uh, be successful. And finally, Nate, what's the uh, rest of the year like for you? There's the NHL Combine in Buffalo, the NHL Draft we mentioned in Nashville. The U-20 Worlds are around the corner in Sweden later this year. And your coach said he's really looking forward, Nate, to seeing you with more regular line mates this year. Brett Hyland was injured. He had 26 goals. Dawson Pasternak had 10 goals in 27 games. Do you think you can make the playoffs in a tough East division with Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Moose Jaw, Regina, and Prince Albert? And what role can you play in Brandon coming up? Yeah, uh, definitely think we'll be a playoff team and that'll definitely be the goal going in. Um, like Marty said, we kind of did uh, have some injury problems towards the end of the year and um, Pasternak, he was just traded the deadline. So um I think going into next year, sort of having um, having those two guys to sort of know that they'll be my line mates and um, we'll be able to 
sort of gel a bit quicker and get into the season a bit quicker than we were able to last year. So, um, but yeah, definitely expect for us to be a playoff team. And as far as my role, I mean, um, I'd say it'd be pretty similar to this year. Just being mm-hmm. a being a leader on our team is probably one of the most important things, and um, helping the younger guys and sort of just trying to lead the team in the right direction, as well as being um, an offensive threat every night on the ice, as well as playing responsible defensively. Nate, thanks again for your time on the podcast and talking to us about your family, the Western Hockey League, the Bantam Draft, facing Connor Bedard and improving your game. All the best heading into the NHL Draft. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Our thanks again to Nate Danielson. Let's hear now from Steve Eiserman from his season-ending news conference back in April. He talked about the topic of team building, of team toughness, competitiveness, and the progress they've made so far in his four seasons but also the steps they have to take to break this seven-year playoff drought. Here's the Wings GM. We've got to be more competitive, you know, and that, that goes in every aspect of the game. And and there's a lot of areas I'd like to improve upon. And, and that goes with the group that we have, the guys here. It's incum- incumbent upon them to be more competitive as well if if we want to if we want to make the playoffs, if we want to win Stanley Cups, we've got to play harder. And uh and we'll try to, you know, try to add different components to the team as we move along, not, not just this year, but moving forward, try to add those components and going back to my own playing career in the mid nineties, we changed the roster. You know, we had, we had good teams. We changed it around to bring different components to give yourselves more give our team more balance and, and, I'll continue to try and do that. Ted, there you have Steve Eiserman talking about adding different components uh, year after year, getting better. This past year in free agency, he added key parts on defense with Ben Sherrod and Oli Mata and up front with David Perron and Dominic Kubalik and goalie traded for Vili Huso. What about this year though, Ted? And what if they were to add two free agents, Alex Kalorn and Scott Mayfield? How good would those two players look on this team? And are there other players in a smaller free agent market who could continue this progress under head coach Derek Lalonde? I mean, those two are fine players, but two that really stand out to me lately, and I've been, well, I'll, I'll say it for the first time here on the podcast. I mean, two players with some bite to the game and to their games, and maybe this changes the complexion of their lineup a lot. How about Tom Wilson? Tom Wilson and Radko Gudash. <laughs> you bring uh, Wilson up front, get Gudash back there with people like Cider and uh, well, Ben Sherratt. Suddenly, mm-hmm. you got a different, more, well, I'll use the word fiercer. I mean, all of a sudden, you got to keep your head on a swivel if you're on the other team. And he, I think that's kind of dual. Obviously, Gudash is going to be unrestricted, so he's available probably unless Florida resigns him. Guy like Wilson, I mean, well, I don't know, Washington going maybe into a rebuilding. And I believe Wilson has one more year left on his contract. They need a, I mean, they've talked about getting edgier, grittier, mm-hmm. tougher to play against. Yeah. I was talking with my friend David about that one. <laughs> we kind of developed that plan. It's like, hmm, interesting. <laughs> Tom Wilson and Gudash. Suddenly, you got a different, tougher-looking lineup, don't you, Mark? Don't you agree? Ted, that would be an amazing one-two punch, wouldn't it? Wilson, the power forward. Very doable. Very doable. Yeah. 
Well, Kalorn and Mayfield, there's all kinds of combinations that Steve Eisenman could try. And earlier today, you saw the Columbus Blue Jackets. They made a huge deal signing Damon Severson, making a sign and trade deal with New Jersey. Eight years, probably more than what the Wings would have given up, Ted, 6.25 million per season. But now Mike Babcock, who won the Stanley Cup here in 2008 in Detroit, He'll have Wierenski, Provorov, Severson, and the young rookie Juracek from last year. So that sounded like a trade that Steve Eisenman would make. First have the players sign a free agent defenseman like Severson, a right-handed defenseman. He's 6'2". That could have been somebody. He's off the market now, though. But didn't that sound like a trade that something Steve Eisenman might try? I don't know, Mark. Do, do those two players really make the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets any better? They're not that good to begin with. No, you're right, Ted. <laughs> I don't really, I, I don't, that didn't remove the needle much for me at all. And then you pay a guy like Severson, what is it? I think roughly I've heard $6.25 yeah. yeah, for eight years. I mean, that's, I don't know. That's, if that's going to be the going rate, that's a lot of money, my friend. I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I mean, that I can't see Columbus moving that way, that up that upward in the standings at all but you know we'll see i mean they're making some i mean it's definitely in win now mode i guess over in columbus but whether that appreciably makes them better we'll see but yeah you're right i mean it sounds like that would be a type of advisorman deal but those just just that's some that's something that just doesn't come around very often i think they yeah they did that last year with uso but mm-hmm. Particular circumstances, obviously. And finally, Ted, the uh, NHL draft. We just heard from Nate Danielson. The Wings have picks 9 and 17, and they have three straight picks in the second round. Picks 41, 42, 43, and they may be traded later Yeah, I on. really think, well, I, I agree with you. I really do think some of that collection might be shipped out for either i don't know we'll see move up this move up the draft board or maybe for a proven player mm-hmm. now once connor bedard and adam fantilli and leo carlson are off the board it's not so much who they're going to pick right now ted but if you take a look at the first rounders under steve eiserman they've taken marit Sider, lucas raymond simon edvinson and sebastian cosa and marco casper do you get a sense, will it be the best player available? The defenseman David Reinbacher probably won't be there at number nine. Do you get a sense, though, with this offense ranked 24th, they need a lot of help there. Do you get a sense who they may, not necessarily the player, but maybe a position, somebody that Chris Draper and Steve Eisman will agree on at number nine and then number 17? And again, they could package that together. But at nine and 17, could you see them improving the offense there, Ted? Tough to tell, my friend. I mean, we'll be talking to Eisman days before the draft so obviously maybe we'll get more information there but i just i could sense i could my spidey sense <laughs> seems to t- be saying i i really do expect some sort of move some trade i really do i'm not sure if it's nine or 17 or like you said a combination of the two maybe throw in as some of the second or second rounder but I do get the sense they're going to be making some moves here mm-hmm. at at some point this summer. I mean, that division all of a sudden, I mean, we'll see how everything plans that plays out in the next few weeks and whatnot, but I don't know, there's going to be an overhaul here and this, this could be a very tight competitive division. I mean, you got teams like Buffalo, Ottawa, even Montreal moving upward and 
sure seems like Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Florida, we'll see. But those teams are might definitely be taking a, a slight step down or a step down. Boy, you could have a heck of a race there. So you make a couple of the right moves, it could really benefit your team. And that'll do it for episode 91 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. Thanks again, Ted, for your time today. You can find all of Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com, as well as on our Octopulse Facebook page. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, rating, and reviewing these podcasts. (laughs) 